two useful idiots calling in, calling in useful idiots, calling all useful idiots. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, make sure, of course, that you subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash useful idiots. Subscribe to us on Substack at usefulidiots.substack.com. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Aaron Mate. We do these call-ins every Monday at 11 a.m. right after we do our Monday morning uh, reviews of the Sunday morning news shows that we watch so that you don't have to. That's spelled Monday, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Um, and we already got some callers up in the queue. Uh, please do your part by uh, sharing this on social media so that people know what we're doing and we get a lot of people in the room. Uh, let's take our first caller, Laura. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I wanted to thank both of you for all you do over this last uh, transition with Matt having to leave and write a book. Um, the show's been very important to me personally because I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news in about 20 years and I rarely read any of the newspapers. But I do have certain people that I watch who have ethics and integrity and you two happen to be part of that list of integrity led um, communicators. Um, Thank you. I'm really impressed with how the youth of today are bringing out some really great people like yourselves who do speak truth to power and believe it or not, do make a difference. It allows for younger people to have someone to look towards and because of the way you've structured your show with humor, whether some people like it or not is not my, my, I don't care. I, I really appreciate the humor because it cuts through all of the hardship we're having to go through. Um, and over the past 40 years watching people being totally propagandized and misused and not having the ability to have open, respectful debate and conversations has led to us having a very dumbed down uh, citizenry, which cannot help guide and push back against the narrative being fed to us. Um, so you're very important, you and other shows. I won't name them out of respect for your platform, but many listeners here, I'm sure, will know who their favorites are and for why um, they're starving for true information. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that there is a um, Kosovo is under attack as of this weekend from not Kosovo, um, Serbia is under attack by Kosovo on their border. What's happening is the president of Kosovo has demanded that the last of the uh, Serbian people that live, it's kind of like how they, um, the Donbass and Lunetsk people kind of separated themselves and wanted their own independence. Um, the president of, of um, Kosovo demanded that these last of these folks change not only their license plates, driver's license, passports, and paperwork, to reflect that they're part of Kosovo and not part of their own region. And uh, they put up a bunch of um, border, uh, uh, blockade 
and military shot at them over the weekend and there's it's flaring up and i believe this is a way for the us to do another basically do another a smaller distractive um ukraine just like they're using taiwan and sadly the same war hawks, whether they be neocons or neoliberals, they all hold hands together merrily, merrily, taking this nation and other nations, especially the Western uh, Europeans. I don't understand how they could all go along unless it was agreed upon. None of them are that stupid. They can't be that stupid. To know that by putting these large sanctions on Russia that the blowback to their own countries is destroying their countries. And, you know, and I'm sorry, but if Nancy Pelosi wants to continue on this little tirade of hers, and it wasn't her idea, I'm damn well sure. But what's going to end up happening, the readout from China had that very... Um, sensational statement saying that if you play with fire, you'll get burned. Well, I think the Chinese are very great at wordplay, and it was provocative enough to where now Nancy's getting a military, I don't know how many people go on vacation and have warplanes and uh, warships go along with them. Uh, yeah. But because China holds our debt, and they hold our debt for a long time now. Um, if I was China, I would just, I would put a um, sanction on the United States and say, hey, we're not selling you any more products. You're not getting anything from us. We're right. done with you. Right. Uh, a blood, it's all bloodless, no hard feelings. You go find someone else to shop from yes. and see how well your, your shelves do. And oh, by the way, we're selling your debt at bargain basement hmm. and drop our dollar. I don't want that for our country, but we are yes. the ones ruining the world. So it's about time somebody does something besides blow us up. Right. I would rather them tear down what's left of our economy so that the real people can build it up and then be able to be so pissed off that they will go look at their leaders and say, you did this. You are mm -hmm. no longer our 80-year-old leaders, and we're going to get in some people in here who are going to do the will of the people. That can't happen if we continue on the path we're still continuing on. We either right. drop this country or we blow up the world. I would prefer drop our, our economy, everybody work together, learn what it is to be truly American, take good care of each other, and rebuild from the bottom up. Love Amen. you guys. Thank you for Thanks, Laura. Time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for all the kind words and thanks for sharing your thoughts. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, I haven't even followed what's happening with Serbia, but that is uh, that is scary. That's scary. We'll have to look into that. Thanks for the call, Laura. Okay, Will is next. Where there's a will, there's a way. All right. He's gone, though, right? So we'll go with Steve. 
Hi, Steve. Will, we'll get you back. Hi, guys. Um, hi. I will, hi, I've got a practical, I've got actionable intelligence. So uh, at 11 today, we're going to be at Nancy Pelosi's office in San Francisco. So that that's horrible. What? That that's 2 p.m. Hold on, hold on. That's 2 p.m. 2 p.m. EST. All right. Uh, yeah. That's 11, 11 a.m. Our our Superior right. California right. time. Right. Yeah. But yes, San Francisco. That horrible neoliberal nightmare of a city. Uh, that people somehow. Oh, anyway, so um, we're going to be there. Uh, Code Pink is going to be there. I think Answer right. Coalition. It's going to be a bunch of people there. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be very quick uh, and let you guys talk. Um, with the Serbia thing now, it's that they're, you know, uh, Kosovo is one of their attack dogs, one of NATO's attack dogs. Uh, it's been described as a giant NATO base. So, um, it seems Aaron and, and Katie like a plan, like this is all part of a plan. Like the, the, this, you know, those guys who sit in the Pentagon, you know, they got bombed that one day with the airplane. The, that was a room full of guys planning stuff. So it's like an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of American tax dollars. So I think that this is a plan unfolding. I, I think they broke out the top secret plan that says World War III, and, and they're going through the checklist so it's pretty scary hmm. well guys get out to that uh, get over that uh, get, get out to that protest if you're in the San Francisco area right Steve right yeah right. we, we got a I came to California in 1987 to protest the, the trains going to sending weapons to Central America, you know, to trains that go to the ships. And uh, we used to protest. <laughs> and now I think, I think maybe you should do a show on that. What mm. young people have kind of like given up protesting. I, um, you know, there's only a few things you can do. You can't vote because Barbara Lee. Who are you going to vote for, Barbara Lee? And then she's going to authorize the $44 billion for the NATO proxy war. There's no one to vote for. Right. I mean, young people, we got to do something. Huh? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Schnarf. Hi, Katie. Hi, how are you? Good. So, um, I, I, recently had a discussion and I was hoping to get your thoughts on this, right? So one of the things that always pops up in leftist circles is the ship of Theseus, which we co-opt the democratic party and suddenly magically we make everything lean left. And then the only other alternative that seems to always circle around is some kind of like insurrection of some sort right so like it's between co-opting the democratic party and some kind of insurrection i was thinking of a third way of possibly infiltrating the system as it is and instead of co-opting the democratic party what if there was a way to actually infiltrate a corporate entity How so? and 
by by getting by infiltrating middle management by taking by actually having people get into the positions in one particular company let's say to the point where the decision making uh body has to adhere to to the to the will of of a group of people that have a collective interest of doing something totally contrary to what you know the board or anyone else has in mind co-opting that co that that corporate entity sounds easier to do than co-opting the democratic party so let's say you have a company like Verizon for example right and Verizon's CEO sits on the FCC. Um, I don't remember his name. He, he kind of looks like Satan to me. Like he's, got, he's got this weird kind of smile that's not a smile. Like you could tell he just really doesn't give a fuck about anyone but himself. But think about it this way. If you infiltrated their HR, their operations, their IT, right? And you were able to get people sitting in positions of power, of, of some kind of authority, be they like SVPs or, or maybe directors, and they actually are not adhering to the will of, of, you know, the, 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 the hand that basically pushes the, 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 uh, plunder of, of the general population in the United States. Let's say we had those people in place. Doesn't that sound like a little bit easier than than the than the route of of co-opting the Democratic Party and maybe a little less bloody than armed insurrection? Well, I know that I mean some this is why some people are try to like get on the board of of Chevron, like their shareholders in Chevron. Yeah. Um, they, they do that for similar reasons, uh, which is to infiltrate. But um, th- what you're saying is a little bit different, right? This is actually like working there. Working there with the intention, with, with the sole intention of then having like uh, uh, another entity make the decisions as opposed to, you know, the, the corporate governing body and then co-opt the entire company to, if it was Verizon, for example, maybe very, very low cost broadband and broadband in rural areas, you know, like that, that's not a, that's not a moneymaker for those guys. They're not interested in that. But let's say we were able to co-opt them and push that agenda through, lower the cost of, of broadband, remove them out of any kind of uh, possibility of, of uh, annihilating net neutrality. Like, to me, it doesn't seem like the Democratic Party is plausible anymore. It, it just seems like every time we, we get somebody to, to, to do anything within the realm of the, like general politics, it doesn't go anywhere. So why not try something totally different? Because the only other alternative that I can think of is like a left-wing version of January 6th. And that's not going to happen. It's not. It's just like that's not going to take flight at all in America. So what do you think? I mean, I don't know how much power middle management has is the issue. Numbers. It's a numbers game. So let's say, for example, you infiltrate their entire HR and their entire IT. And you're able to push along into like maybe let's say I wouldn't say middle management. I'm talking about like you get all the way up to like SVP level, right? You're able yeah. to at least 
have, let's say, a collective body inside that company. And the thing is that most companies, individuals operate in silos, right? So you don't really deal with, with anyone else other than the person you directly report up to. But here's the thing. If people have a collective and they operate on their own you know, on their own axis, as opposed to whatever is governing the rest of the company. Yeah. Taking over the company seems not too difficult if you have the right people and the right numbers. Well, it's kind of, it sounds like similar to what, when people salt, it's called salting. When you uh, go get a job at a, a, at a, you do it to infiltrate, you infiltrate a, a, a workforce and get them to organize and join a union. It's somewhat similar to that. It is, but the problem with union well the, the 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 problem with unions is that one in America the like the American labor movement um, was put on an altar and sacrificed. Yeah. You had everything from the American mob to to just in general like every strategy was employed to to, to strangle it and put it to bed. And right. what you're left with now, I think, is a way more bourgeoisie kind of elitist. Uh, like set of associations. I'm not saying like all unions are like that, but I'm saying a lot of these unions are not really in the, they're, they're a money-making machine, right? Yeah. I'm just saying a similar principle to that. I'm not saying it should be that uh, it should be done through the unions instead or anything. Do you get what I'm saying? If anything, if anything, if you think about it, right, like you have an organization within that corporation that has a hidden or not a hidden, well, it could be a hidden agenda, but it would be an unspoken agenda. And then you actually have a coalition built with the the unions, which tend to be more workers, right? When you have that all put together, you're able to kind of sway things a, a little bit stronger and you don't have the uphill battle of political organizing. Like the last thing I like to do, Katie, is convince somebody stupid to do something in their own self-interest. <laughs> like I'm not good at that. I'm short tempered and I don't have yeah. the temper. I don't have the temperament for it. Like I'd rather, I'd rather just do something as opposed right. to sit there and try to explain why it's in your self-interest to have, you know, universal health care. Right. Like I can't tell that to a person who 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 doesn't want to believe that. We can call this peppering. If the the other thing is called salting, so maybe we call this peppering. Peppering is when you do it with a corporate. But has that ever been done? Like to your to your knowledge, has anything of that been done? I don't think not that I'm aware of. I mean, I know people do join the boards of things like Chevron. They buy like little little stakes in it so they can be on the on the um, board. You know uh, who I'd love to hear his opinion on? I'd love to see if Richard Wolf would like would actually like like consider this as a as an alternative. All right, well, I'll try to ask him. I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. Peppering, just for shorthand, peppering. Okay. All right, peppering. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. So let's think about that, guys. Um, Ox. Okay, Ox, you can unmute yourself by hitting the microphone icon at the bottom right of the screen. Bottom right of the screen, there's a little microphone. It's near the leave room or the emoji sign, the heart or the thumbs up. Uh, all right, we're going to move forward, Ox, because we have a lot of other callers, but we'll come back to you. So just rejoin and... Uh, it's very easy to do. Bottom right of the screen, you hit the mic icon. 
Oh, Ox, you're there. Did I do it? Oh, right as I... Uh, all right, Ox, rejoin. Just come to the th- the queue again. Oh, that was stressful. All right, Jed. Unmute yourself, please, by hitting the mic icon at the bottom right of the screen. Great. Uh, Hi, Jed. You're unmuted, but fix. you're not speaking. Hold on a second. Okay. Uh, now we hear see. you. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, cool. we hear you. Yeah, um... So, listen to you guys all the time, and just wanted to say thank you for the content that you put out. Um, so, the interview I heard a couple of days ago was really good with the two um, politicians from Ireland. Uh, it's very good to get that kind of perspective. But um, I was curious, I just recently I heard about um, the socialist alternative basically because of uh, Shama Sawan. And I was wondering if you guys had made any inroads there and what kind of organizing they do. I live in uh, North Jersey, close to New York City, so I think they actually do some actions out here. But I was just curious if you guys have any personal experience. So I'm on the show. Uh, I'm on the Katie Halper show a few times. Uh, so I know their work, like like you said, mostly through them. I know that they have other people who run. Uh but that's about all I know. So not, I don't know if you have a particular question or. Um, or well, if, um, what kind of organizing activity? Um, I, I'm not, I don't enough about their organizing plans. I know that they did stuff about around Amazon and they also infiltrate the political system. She's a, a city assembly woman. I believe that's right. That's her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shama Sawant. Yeah, I yeah. think that's in... Her title, in, yeah. Is that in, uh, I forget what state it was. Seattle. She's in Seattle. In Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Kashama Sawant's been very vocal in fighting um, Amazon, and they won. They even won one of their fights a few summers ago. And she's also obviously been very uh, vocal in the fight for a minimum wage. I mean, she's a very principled, brave person. Puts her, does, you know, spends a lot of time just doing the kind of work that we all talk about needs to be done, but she actually does it. She's a real organizer, and I think. Is really impressive. I don't know anything about else about her organization, but her herself, I think, is a really admirable person. Okay, and then the other. Uh, so my wife and I had a conversation this morning about uh, about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan, and um, you know, I take the side of that she's just trying to drum up more hostilities and more tensions. Um, but you know, you're talking to a family member, you know, or your wife or someone that's very, very close with you. Um, how do you address that particular topic? Like, I don't know that much about the history of Taiwan. Um, so I don't know if you had any tips for me. Katie, didn't you just do an interview about Taiwan with, uh, Ben Norton, did you guys talk about Taiwan? No, we didn't talk about Taiwan. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, well, so, yeah. Did we talk about it? I don't think we really did. 
I think uh, I follow people like there's Danny Haifong. He's a good source on China related stuff. I don't know, but look, it's not a topic I, I know much about, but uh, I just generally, my, my modus operandi is I search for lefties <laughs> and uh, I see what they're saying. Listen to Danny Haifong. I actually told her that was where I had gotten most of my education on what, what is going yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, but honestly don't really remember a whole lot. Um, I mean, she's, she's a, you know, she's from another country, so I'm from here in the U S and I do get accused a lot of being a sort of U S centric and everything that I, I comment on. It's all from that lens. Um, and yeah, she has friends and national friends that are, you know, very, um, upset with China, uh, specifically on a friend from Hong Kong. So I just, uh, and if you guys had any, um, any advice, <laughs> you know, Jed, I'm, I, you know, people, yeah, people like Danny Haifong or Ben Norton, I think would have, uh, would be a lot better suited to give you, uh, some direction here. It's just not an issue that I personally am very familiar with. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's all right. I, um, I didn't really have much. Uh, to go on as far as personal knowledge, um, other than just Nancy Pelosi is obviously not doing this out of the good nature of her heart. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, are, are, are Chinese officials uh, trying to go visit uh, Texas to support the Texas secessionist movement? And if they did, what would be the, <laughs> you know? Kind of um, wish yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Jed, thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks, thanks Jed. Okay. okay, Ramona. And Ox, if you're listening, Ox, come back in. We'll call on you. Ramona. Hi, Ramona. Ramona, we can hear you, so you can ask your question. You are unmuted, so. Can you? Nope, then you hit it again. Now you're muted. So just hit that thing again. You were unmuted. You just weren't talking. Hit the mic icon at the bottom right, which you already hit to unmute. But then you hit it again, so now you're muted. So hit it again to re-unmute. Sorry, can you hear me? Yep. Hello, can you hear Hi, me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? We can hear you. We can hear you. Ramona, we can hear you. You are heard. You are seen. I think there's something wrong on your end with the audio. Ramona? All right. We're going to move on to Will. Hopefully, Ramona can get that worked out. Will, welcome. Hey, sorry about earlier, and thanks for being uh, patient with your audience. <laughs> so, film philosopher here, friend of the show, uh, Katie. I'm oh. still the, still your uh, running your fan club, and Aaron. I'm gonna send you some pomade and some muscle shirts. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my my question just had to do with the uh, sort of water, what they're calling the watered down build back better plan, which you mentioned on your show, but just to uh, 
kind of get your guys's take on it uh, if you feel like it's like political theater if anything's actually going to come of it um some shows i was watching bill maher you know they're talking about it being a, a big win um for political compromise uh in what they're saying was a good way across the aisles but i just wanted to get your guys's take on it and i am a sub stack subscriber for both of you and i encourage Thanks. everybody else to do that so i haven't been on there um recently to check on that but Maybe you've got something posted there. So just, uh, yeah, if you guys can share your thoughts with us, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not a great bill at all. It's going to be like portrayed as a win for Democrats because they finally got Manchin on board for something. Um, I think it does some stuff. It's certainly not what Bill Beck better would have been. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know that the Democrats will spin it as a as a major victory. Uh, it's pathetic that anyone would celebrate compromise with Republicans, but that's very Bill Maher's going to Bill Maher. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It's, uh, you know, all the ambition that was being discussed for in the early stages of Build Back Better, and we were talking about Joe Biden being the most progressive president since FDR, all that's just forgotten. There was no effort to even, you know, put the individual items in Build Back Better up for a vote. That's what I never understood. Like, okay, fine. You have this massive all-in-one package, whatever. Joe Manchin says it costs $3.5 trillion. I don't think that's true, but whatever. Uh, why not put every single item inside it up for an individual vote? So have Joe Manchin vote against after-school care for low-income children. You know, have him vote against expanded assistance for working people you know ha have everyone do that why not and i never understood why after joe manchin said no democrats essentially folded didn't try to you know force him to defend his vote and actually vote on his vote vote on his stance and instead just basically let him decide what the bill would be i think it's really disappointing yeah it's an all or nothing mentality a lot i totally agree and it seems like they it almost uh, oftentimes seems like they don't really want to pass it, but they feel like they have to put it up and do something to, you know, that they promised when they were going in for the vote, <laughs> getting their voter base to go go for them. And then they're just kind of like, ah, well, you know, they can say, ah, we tried. And, you know, then they, they have some, some dummy up there who is on their side who's going to vote against it it's as if they've colluded in the background. So it's just, yeah. you know, I think, there, you, I think you guys have mentioned that before. Yeah. I mean, like, why didn't Biden go to West Virginia? and try to, you know, basically turn West Virginians against Joe Manchin. Why not? He's yeah. holding up your signature bill. Like, what respect or deference do you owe him? Nothing. He's sabotaging your agenda. And, yes, they made it all or nothing, but they chose nothing from the start because they never fought for the all. Never. They talked yeah. about it on, like, the Sunday news shows, and but there was no real effort to fight for it. Yeah, it's kind of like saying to your friend, oh, I'm going to loan you a billion dollars. And they're like, you don't really have that. <laughs> Such a joke. Anyway, okay, thanks, guys. I'll let you go on in the next call. Thanks, Will. Yeah, thanks. See you next time. Thank you. All right, we got Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Hey, good morning or whatever. It's uh, yeah, it's still morning. I uh, on Build Back Better. I I just I obviously didn't pass because of Joe Manchin ostensibly originally, but 
I mean, then there was no public support there for it because, in my opinion, maybe it's just uh, just a guess, but uh, a lot of people realize that that slogan, that phrase, "Build Back Better," the name, it's no one. I mean, where does it come from? It seems like it comes from the World Economic Forum, and I'm not even trying to be funny, just because they're you know a hot topic right now. But you have. Uh, obviously Klaus Schwab said it, Justin Trudeau, Boris Johnson, Jacinda Ardern, they've all said it. And um, the syntax of it is just unnatural. It's not like any phrase I've ever heard building back like in that order. So anyway, uh, the name, yeah, like you said, Aaron, if they want to pass a child tax credit, pass a child tax credit and call it that. If you want to pass paid family leave, pass that and call it that because we can't have these bizarre sicko phrases from these multi-global organizations like in every country. I think that had something to do with it, but just a thought. Yeah, uh, I think that that may be true. Uh, it's definitely uh, um, embarrassing that that was the the be- the best that the Democrats could even offer. Yeah, no doubt. Well, one last thing I could let you know, I had an experience with Bernie. And he campaigned for uh, an incumbent House member who's running against another incumbent because of redistricting. And Bernie, okay, I'm sorry. Well, uh, Bernie was campaigning for a supposedly progressive, and this progressive said, We need. All right. What happened? Anthony, where'd he go? Anthony, we're not, we did not, I did not mute you or kick you out because you were saying something. I'm sure critical of Bernie. So come back and we'll let that's my theory. That's my my theory, Kate. I I think Anthony was censored here because there was a hint of Bernie criticism. Yeah, there was, there's definitely some Bernie criticism coming down the pike, but you know what? I was willing to hear him out, but he uh, got disconnected. So come back on. We got Anthony to come back on also Ramona and also Ox and Ox. I see you in the chat or I did. So don't be shy everyone. Anyone. Also, make sure you, you you tweet this out, Facebook it out, Instagram it out. Let the people know we're here. All right, uh, Daniel. And by the way, everybody, I've just been told that if we get to over three hundred listeners, sorry, if we get to over, if we get to over three hundred listeners, right now we're at two eighty or something. If we get to over if we get to over three hundred, then Nancy Pelosi is going to cancel her trip to Taiwan. Yes. So do it, guys. Yeah, because she will be intimidated. She'll because the people will have spoken. The people have spoken. Yes. Do you yeah. recall? Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. We'll see. What, we'll see if it happens. Yeah. That was my All right. Hi, Silly. Hi. My first question was, how can we stop that woman? And you just answered. So. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the No. And yes, that was my question. And the thing I wanted to tell you is that I don't know why you didn't have this, but there's a NATO um, communication uh, that was all over the press here from 31, July 31, that said K4, K4 is Kosovo force, is prepared to intervene, it's with the NATO thing and all, to intervene if his stability is jeopardized in the north of Kosovo. They've been talking about it a lot because of NATO especially. Just that. <laughs> it's serious and it's a mess Guatemala too, so. 
to, people should look that up. But the thing is, I wanted to know why why can that woman be stopped? How can we stop Pelosi? Um, look, I think these people are so delusional that they're going to stop themselves. I mean, they thought, for example, that they could draw Russia into a uh, invasion of Ukraine and that Russia would get crushed economically and the U.S. would come out on top. At least so far, that's not happening. Russia is weathering the economic challenges that it's facing and it's the re- everyone else who is suffering. And I think it's something similar with Taiwan. If they provoke China into some sort of confrontation, I think China will ultimately prevail. And that's, it's similar to Ukraine in the sense that you know, China is very close to Taiwan. It's just, you know, it's, it's right there. And uh, in the same way that Russia is very close to Ukraine. So in both cases, the U.S. is trying to use this, this area that it's far away from to fight its enemy, but it's not willing to actually f- do the fighting itself. And in that case, that will ultimately always put the advantage on the more powerful neighbor, which is both Russia and China. So, but I think these people are so intoxicated with, you know, whatever you want to call it, American exceptionalism, American supremacy, that they can't think that way. They can't think rationally. So whatever Nancy Pelosi does, I just don't think it ends well for whatever her aims are. Yes, but as it will and that bad for everyone. That's what worries me. You know, one comment that my brother told me, something that told me, he told me when he lived there, and this was, you remember when uh, Evo Morales' plane was uh, forced to land in Europe? Yeah. Because they, okay. And I, well, I'll keep going, can, no, because not everyone knows about it, so can you tell oh, people? Uh, they thought he had Snowden, I think. And uh, they were forced to land the plane, search the plane. He's the president. Search all over the plane. And after they did, they let him go as if he were, I don't know, <laughs> a, a drug dealer or something. And I I asked my, my brother what the reaction was. And he said, they don't care. <laughs> and this, he said, no, I mean, this not that they are not everybody's there is stupid and don't know where Bolivia is. They just don't care where Bolivia is. And I was wondering what percentage of the population is like that. What do you think? An estimate? Eighty percent less, more? Who know who don't know where Bolivia is? No, who don't care. No, what he meant was they're not stupid. It's not that they cannot look in a map and they don't know where Bolivia is because the school was so bad. It's because they don't care to look in a map where Bolivia They listen Bolivia and they just said, okay, it <laughs> doesn't matter. It's Bolivia. They can do whatever. You know? What I mean? It's, it's more or less what Aaron was saying about the, the Democratic Party. Sorry, I cut you. Say the last part again. Say your no, last question what, again. No, it's what Darren was saying about the Democratic Party. And I think I am, like, in, co- in these callings and listen to you. And men, and I, I assume that there's so many people that really care because most people in these calls do care. Uh, journalists like you or Aaron do care. But I was wondering, if is this a small minority or is more... 
like that half the country you know what that's I mean? a, yeah don't you know that, listen that's a, that's a, that's a question that's kind of impossible to answer but thank you Sil, for the call we appreciate okay, it okay i'm sorry i didn't mean okay. to insult anyone no 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 no, 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 no one's insulted please no one's insulted yeah. at all thank we you just, for the call oh, yeah daniel <laughs> hi there uh daniel from uh a breakfast taco from San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was hearing a lot of the other callers saying we need to find a way to infiltrate the corporate area. One, you don't have enough money to do that. And I remember what Max Blumenthal reported about the Sandinistas in Nicaragua, how the way they gained their independence was growing their own food. And I really don't think we're ever going to find a real leader in either political party. I have was listening to a little bit of Vosh last night or the night beforehand on this guy that says maybe we should be infiltrating the Republican Party. But I don't think we get that way without really being able to learn how to grow our own food, food or – learning how to be self-sufficient because if we – hold on. If we aren't able to do that ourselves, but when the changes are, are about to come, are we able to contribute anything meaningful? And I'm a hypocrite. I'm a truck driver. But where I live in San Antonio, people have flocks of chickens. I have seen goats in the city limits. And when I go ride my bicycle in the bad neighborhoods of another city, I'm just wondering, like, hey, where are your chickens? And I understand that people don't own land and stuff, but I think that's a place to start. So we should start with you know, growing our own food and being self-sufficient? Yeah, in a way. I know that every, not everyone's going to be able to do it. Again, I don't have my own piece of property. A lot of people of my generation don't. But let's say you do have a piece of property. And if you're trying to look for – because I don't think you're ever going to find that leader like Bernie Sanders, and he's ever going to be allowed to be elected. And if that does happen, what then? Like I'm not saying that, say, Bernie Sanders, let's say – he becomes president and we get universal health care. I'm saying it's still going to be a challenge to go to the doctors, even if that happens. Why, why is it going to be a challenge to go to the doctors even if that happens? I'm just because, yeah. because I just see a decline in the United States. It's not just um, – it's not just our leadership. It's also our education. And the way I see it is that um, we should, we really need to learn how to be more reliant on to ourselves. And I know I'm a hypocrite about this, but I don't think we break free of the corporations or anyone else unless we take responsibility for ourselves. I hear you. It's true. I mean, look, uh, I, I'm not one to talk because I, I can't even really cook. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the, the idea that, of, you know, but listen, um, yeah, uh, I will say that whenever I have a chance to reconnect with the earth in some way, with nature, it's always a really wonderful experience. And it would be cool to, 
to for all of us to find ways to do that. The problem is it's just it's hard to prescribe lifestyle choices because everyone's in a different position. You know, some people can grow, as you say, some people can grow food, some people can't. It's impossible, you know. So, but I I, I agree. It, you know, what's the term for whatever it is? Socialism, everyone within their means or something. You know, like whatever uh, that term is. Their means according to their own. What is it? Um, abilities. Yeah. Great. <laughs> we we sure, we sure really captured that. We're, we're like uh, we're like means um, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, we'd be great at a a socialist like like recruiting meeting. People show up, we're like, all right. So according um, to his ability to each according to his own means. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Needs, needs. Sorry, needs. I knew it was needs. I just said it. Each according to his ability to each according to his needs. Okay. Few. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know. I just feel like there's something lacking. And as a truck driver, I go uh, uh, everywhere, even to West places of West Virginia, and it seems like nobody knows where to start. And we're always looking for that political leader to come in and save the world. There's not that political leader around. Uh, we That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm a hypocrite. I don't own my piece of property. I don't own the truck I live in. And But <sighs> I don't know what else to think of. When it's when they're when the solutions are just individual, it's just so hard to organize. And then what do you do about the people who can't do that? Maybe we have to organize the world in a way that gets back to the land. And we did have Christopher Ryan on who kind of talked about that. But um, yeah, I I don't know how we can turn back to land with uh, 320 million people. I'm just saying, you know. Instead of like hoping to earn that extra time, learn to grow like a little a little vegetable garden in your kitchen yeah, and stuff like that. And just take small baby steps along the way because no one's going to save you from high gas prices. And I have a funny feeling because our dollar is going down the drain. It's no longer becoming the world's currency. We're going to be paying the average price of what you're paid in the, in the two thousands and stuff for gasoline. Hmm. And then at the same time, you're not going to have that um, leadership to really invest in bike lanes or or transit. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, we'll take that into account. Figure out how we can map that on to other social, larger social movements. Yeah. Um, one more thing um, about the uh, first ladies calling all of us breakfast tacos in San Antonio. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it was just like when Trump said the San Antonio has the best walls and believe it. Yes, we do have the best walls. They're covered in beautiful murals and stuff. They're awesome to look at, especially yeah. when you're riding on the west side. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, send us some photos. I'll probably tweet one or two things to you. Yeah. Just use the hashtag um, to make sure we see it. Use the hashtag useful idiots pod. Okay. Okay. Then we'll read it. Thanks, Daniel. Hey, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Russ. Hi there. Hi. Um, really appreciate your um, both Aaron and your reporting. Um, this is probably a question more for Aaron, but I'd, either of you would be interested in your take. 
Um, I've been reading quite a few stories about the Taliban and their supporting Taliban moving into Pakistan and how possibly they might, um, if they overthrow the government there, get access to the uh, nuclear weaponry there. And obviously that would be vastly helped by the amount of arms left in um, um, I don't know how many billion it was, but the billions of dollars of arms um, left behind when America withdrew. Um, and I'm just wondering, um, is that something that you think is going to explode in the in the coming months? Can't make predictions, unfortunately. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't really followed Afghanistan so closely beyond just seeing how sadistic the U.S. has been in sanctioning Afghanistan and denying it access to its own foreign reserves as the country faces, you know, earthquakes, uh, hunger issues. It's so gross. It's so, so awful. And of course, it's a year later. A year ago, the U.S. withdrawal was um, taking place and Afghanistan was nonstop on the news. It's all anyone could talk about. U.S. pundits and politicians claim to care so much about Afghanistan. Now it's not even, it's not even traceable. You can't even see a discussion of it. Yeah, look, I, um, I sort of followed a lot of your work, Aaron, um, Syria and Yemen. And I think that the growing um, situation uh, overflowing from Afghanistan to Pakistan could become bigger than Ben-Hur. Um, and actually, something Katie just said, which I was quite encouraged by, was organising the world. Um, I don't know exactly what you said, Katie, but but I think there's definitely, I think you guys probably know you have more than an American audience. And America, obviously, is pivotal in a lot of things that happen globally. Um, but... Yeah, I think that that might be something for you to look at because I think that's going to all of a sudden explode. And I know a lot of attention at the moment is in Taiwan. And I, you know, let's all applaud Pelosi and her efforts. <laughs> yeah. And it just may be, it just may be a Chinese pot to get her there, as we suggested on Useful Idiots this morning, on Monday morning. Can I a quick question? Um, is Monday morning always been spelled M O U R N I N G? Yeah, I've just noticed that today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good pun. It's a good pun. I've been, I've been I've been listening to it for quite a while, and today's the first time I noticed the spelling. And anyway, yeah. thanks very much. I appreciate um, the reporting that both of you do, and um, keep it up. Great work. From down under. Yes. <laughs> Great. We have a very strong Australian base. Aaron, we have to do a, tour, a useful idiots tour and then we'll have to go make sure we go to Australia. Oh, that would be, oh oh, be huge. That would be huge. I can, I can totally help, um, help you fill a few venues in, in, the, in the major cities or the rural areas. Awesome. Well, message us here on this app so we have your info. Okay, will do. All right. Thanks, Russ. Okay, bye. Bye. All righty. Eric.
Hello, Eric. Eric, you're a regular, so you know what to do. You know, yep, yeah, there you are. It's on a delay or something. It's not my fault. <laughs> okay. Hey, the calls today, huh? Pretty brutal, am I right? How so? Oh, I don't know. I just think you guys do a lot of good work uh, listening to people, and I really appreciate it. Um, I want <laughs> I want to ask you, Katie. I, I forgot if I asked you this before, but you're you're a born and raised New Yorker, right? I yes. So I was just curious if uh, you wanted to share your story about where you were on 9-11. And I'm just curious what you think of Zoomers and the people growing up these days, how they see the tragedy. Um, Well, I was at college at Wesleyan University um, uh, in in Connecticut. And my mom was in New York City. My cousin and aunt and uncle were in New York City. Uh, My grandmother... My father was in Oregon on a work trip. Um, so it felt very, it, it felt uh, not foreign because my family was there. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't there. I don't feel that connection to it that a lot of people uh, feel, if that makes sense. I mean, it was my city, I was but I wasn't curious. there. I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's something I think about, you know, with all the tragedies going on these days and then how we remember them and then how they get used and right. how they change, you know, the the uh, environment. And I should I should add, though, that I did know people who were there and were killed um, to one of whom was Greg um, Rodriguez is his name. And his parents are Phyllis and Orlando Rodriguez and Phyllis Rodriguez turned into a major peace activist. She and Orlando were two of the parents who wrote the not in our name letter, which, which called on Bush not to uh, invade Afghanistan. And pathetically, the New York Times didn't publish it as not bad, which is just uh, absolutely unforgivable, but I guess not surprising. I mean, just as a newsworthy thing. Um, so uh, yeah, and she became a major activist for peace and for like reconciliation and restorative justice and forgiveness. So there's that. That's good. That's very interesting. And then one one last little question. Don't you guys think that, you know, we should be doing a little more thinking? You know, I know we hate to predict the future and speculate, but I'm just wondering how people on the left are speculating and gaming out the scenario of Biden's death. And, you know, but some, you know, I, I know, I don't know. Sometimes people say I'm kind of being silly thinking about this because you can't predict the future, but it seems like one of those events that seems quite likely and that you should have some kind of thought about you know, um, is, is Kamala, I kind of think, you know, personally, I kind of think if Biden dies, Kamala would get like a little approval bump or whatever. We kind of put aside how awful she is or whatever, and just at least to be a little relieved that the president isn't, you know, we don't have to think about his, you know, mental condition and physical condition at least. And that might be, you know, a little nice, but you know what, I mean, what, what I try to think of what was, what would be the quote unquote progressive role trying to game out that situation and trying to benefit or, you know, trying to position themselves in that situation. Huh. I'm not sure how to answer that. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? I apologize. I missed that question. I had to... uh... Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, Eric, know, do I say it again? Let's say Biden were to drop dead tomorrow. What do you think yeah. would the game plan be, or should it be? Oh, well, I think they'd find. I, 
I think they'd find a way to get Pete in there. They seem to think that Pete's popular. I think they recognize that Kamala is just is not a hit. I mean, she had to drop out of the primary before even I think a vote was cast because she was so unpopular. And but let uh, me give you the counterpoint to that, sure. which is to yeah. say that every vote for Biden was also a vote for Kamala. So it's hard for right. me to see. It is actually it is hard for me to see, for example, how they could take it away from Kamala because that would be such a well, she is slap in the face, right? To she is even her, less to her, constri- whatever constituent she got. Sorry, go ahead. She is even less popular than Biden. It's true, but she has the, say what you will. She has such a stronger case for it than anybody else, right? Yeah, of course. I just don't know how good she would do in a general, and so the Democrats. I don't. I have no idea how it would play out. Honestly, I guess they would have to let her do it. But I don't know. Maybe her numbers would be so bad that they would get someone else in there like Pete. So we'll have to see. And I guess I guess the question there is, like, if you're a progressive and, you know, they're trying to do a Pete versus Kamala thing, like, what are we going to do? Like, vote Kamala to reduce the harm or something like that. It's just it's a farce, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of harm reduction in either of them. So. Well, thank you so much. Anyway. Yeah, thank, thank you, Eric. All right, Anthony, back, back in the mix. Hello, Anthony. I'm back with my Bernie criticism. I got censored. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I, I had a bad signal. <laughs> no, I, uh, I just want to tell you and all the listeners. Over the weekend, I attended a rally in which Bernie Sanders was campaigning for an incumbent running against another incumbent in the House, and they've. They've labeled one. Where, the, can you just tell us where you are? Remind us. Well, yeah, I'm in Detroit, and the rally was in Pontiac, Michigan. Uh-huh. So uh, Bernie was there, a member of the squad was there, and the supposed progressive of these two in- incumbents. And uh, this progressive guy, he says, oh, I want to spread human rights all around the world, uh, China. And I don't think, you know, he's talking about the surveillance state that maybe yeah, I'd have a problem with. I think he's talking about Uyghurs. Uh, I want to spread human rights. That awful dictator in Syria, he's been in there for too long, in Venezuela, in just Ukraine, like all over the place. And he, this is the big progressive. Like, granted, APEC has thrown a lot of money towards the other incumbent. So... But the funny thing is this progressive one, quote unquote, is uh, Jewish. So I don't know. It's just. Oh, Levin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he he's, yeah, real progressive. He wants to spread more human rights and democracy around the world. It's hilarious. And say, the funny thing was he said, I want to cancel student debt up to 50,000. And then Bernie gets up and says, I want to cancel all student debt. And it's like, OK, so what's your platform? You guys haven't even figured. It out. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, that's not surprising. It's disappointing, but not surprising. And so then I guess, I don't know. I haven't looked at their platforms, but I'm assuming that Levin is better than the other guy, especially if APAC has put money into the other guy's um, uh, coffers. That's how evil APAC is. APAC's so evil that they make even, you know, like these corporate Democrats that they oppose look good. Right. That's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, this is where I'll get in trouble from people, but I still think if if he's significantly better than the other one, I still think it makes sense to vote for him. Uh, if he's going to make a, a di- help make different concrete differences in people's lives, 
I don't think he'll be more of a hawk than the other one. So it's a question. I'm sure that the other guy is more hawkish than him anyway, if APAC's involved. So then the question is, is he better on domestic issues? But, but. Yeah, it's it's a gal, and she is pretty bad in corporate. But, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't vote for either of them just because he's a total progressive imperialist. But it's funny. I, had, I saw Bernie. He's he's wearing thin. You know, he says, we got to build a movement. I said, bro, you sold it out twice. But that's that's my criticism. <laughs> yeah. Censor him. Censor him. Censor him. Get off. Get out. Yeah. No. Yeah. I Well, I disagree with you about the voting recommendation, but I hear you on everything. All right. It's- it's a tough one. It, you know, it, 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 I mean, uh, I, mean, I agree with you, Katie, ultimately. I mean, you have to, uh, like, I, I agree in picking the last worst person, especially in local races, you know, where I think small differences can make a big difference. Right. But, uh, you know, everyone, that's up for everyone to right. decide for themselves. And still disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think a lot of people would say that what's happening to the Uyghurs isn't genocide, but it's still problematic. Just going to throw that out there. I'll probably get canceled by some people. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to say it. All right. Tom. Hello, Tom. Just unmute yourself, please, by hitting the mic icon on the uh, bottom right of the screen. It's right near the emoji symbol. So you may have a heart or a smiley face or a thumbs up. And it's right near the thing that says leave room or exit room. All right, Tom, we're going to, Aaron, what should we give in terms of a time limit? Five, four, three, two, one. All right. We're going to have to go Ox. Ox, and then we'll get back to you, Tom, if you want to come back. But Ox, all right, Ox. You can do it. Hit yay! You're on. <laughs> awesome. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Uh, first, I just want to say I'm a big fan um, of both of y'all and of Matt, and like I just can't thank you enough for all the great work y'all do. Um, so nice. Yeah. I, I I come from big media. Um, I'm a coder, and I've spent a lot of time working for some large media organizations and being told that I can't put my political views on social media as an employee and things like that. It's very miserable. Um, now that I'm not working for them, I'm letting my uh, political freak flag fly. And it's just been the greatest uh, realization of like, you know, that expression. And um, it went from like cold water to now it's like extremely hot water. <laughs> so I'm just pouring as much as I can. Um, the question I have for you, uh, both of you is, you know, I'm not happy with what's going on in the Ukraine. There's so many dynamics to it, to it and so many levels. And I have, you know, friends who are in the Democratic Party. <laughs> and they love to, you know, talk about these candidates, some of the candidates we see. Let's see, who's the – I can't remember his name right now. Young, there's a candidate that uh, the Democratic Party refuses to uh, back up. Um, and they don't like his um, his uh, foreign policy. He's like anti-CIA, things like that. Um, and so, you know, I post this on social media. Look at what, what's happening. Democrats, again, refuse to, like, honor the will of the voters. Um, 
here's the candidate that won the Democratic primary, and now the Democrats are like turning their back on them, just like uh, India Walton, and like you know, and then it, it brings you back to like when Bernie runs, and they say, uh, "Well, Bernie, if you lose, are you going to back the Democrat because you're an independent and all this kind of stuff?" And it drives me nuts. And so, in all of this, you know. I post these examples to like make people see the double standard and like friends in the democratic party come back and they're like, Oh, that guy's a nutcase. Uh, I heard he wants to like impeach Biden and I, uh, you know, and he, uh, he's, he's got a, like a horrible foreign, foreign uh, policy. And, and ultimately I'm like, he sounds like, you know, he's like, anti-war which i'm aligned with which sounds great and all these sorts of things the thing that i'm trying to understand is like how what what's the best way to sum it up to them and get right to the point so that it's persuasive um when it comes to the ukraine like a like we like we helped push uh you know putin's hand we we like it's not like he just decided that he was going to invade there like we were actively involved in making the conditions there in such a state that he felt like he had to get involved and no one it seems like everyone doesn't want to take responsibility for that and then there's the whole thing about you know the the you know how how many Nazis are there in the Ukraine and are we basically sending like all the money we could use for medicare for all to the Ukraine so that we can like put guns in the hands of Nazis. I, I'm like, and then I don't know. I, I've been going on my monologue for a while. I, I want to help people understand my position. Yeah. I, I think it's a persuasive place to stand. Um, but sometimes it's so dynamic and there's so many nuances to it. Um, I, I, sometimes it's hard to just sum it up and say, how can you be like, so like, why do you turn to me and say, I'm a Russian asset when all I'm trying to say is, I don't think it's a good thing what we're doing in the Ukraine, even though it's horrible what is happening to them from the Russians. Right. Have you seen the clip of Noam Chomsky from Manufacturing Consent where he talks about concision? I don't know. I, I've, no, I don't, I've heard of these, I've heard of, you know, Manufacturing Consent uh, and Noam Chomsky but I don't know what clip you're referring to specifically right. from where I'll, and when I'll put a link to it uh, here. Let's see if I can put it in the chat, but basically his point is that, you know, when, when uh, he was quoting some news executive who was asked, why don't you have Chomsky on your, on nightline or one of these shows? And the executive said, well, because Chomsky is not good at concision. He can't make his point quickly. Mm. And Chomsky <laughs> said, that's exactly right. That is a way to ensure narrative obedience because right. you can be concise if you're going to go on and repeat a propaganda talking point that's been broadcast a million times. So everybody already knows what it is. So you don't have to explain it. You can, you, you, you can concisely repeat a propaganda talk, talking point. So, for example, Putin uh, launched an unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. That's, that's concise. And people will understand what it means because they've heard that point a million times and they've heard no countervailing information. And Chomsky's point is that for him to make his point, he needs to be able to talk about the context that's been excluded because of our propaganda system that won't allow it. And so in the case of Ukraine, you're right. It takes a while to explain what has been missing from the narrative that we get every single day. And that context includes this war didn't begin when Putin invaded. I mean, you can go back a long way, but just to truncate the story, it began when the U.S. backed a coup 
2014, that set off a war between the coup government and people who did not want to live under the, under the coup government. And the U.S. supported the coup government and avoided efforts to make peace. Russia made proposals that included respecting the Minsk Accords that were reached to end that war. And the U.S. basically helped undermine them. And along with refusing to take NATO expansion off the table in Ukraine and encouraging Ukraine's membership in NATO, that provoked Russia into launching a war. And you don't have to excuse what Russia did. I mean, you don't have to justify them choosing to launch an invasion. But just that doesn't mean also pretending that the war began with them deciding to attack Ukraine. There's a context here in which the U.S. has been provoking Russia and, and undermining every effort to resolve the conflict peacefully. So I can um, I just say one thing. I yeah, think absolutely. That in general that like the truth requires more nuance and more and lengthier responses. But we also have to work with what we have. And the truth is people's attention spans are shorter and shorter. I do think just the principle of um, prioritizing diplomacy and negotiation over escalation is a good one. Um, and that every war ends in negotiation. And the question is how much bloodshed we are going to sit back and allow to happen. Also emphasizing the fact that for the United States um, and for the West, the, the uh, ultimate uh, aim is not uh, negotiation or um, diplomacy, because we know that uh, Boris Johnson went to Zelensky and told him not to negotiate with Putin, we know from Lloyd Austin that he has, you know, uh, his aims have to do with weakening Putin and not with saving lives and stopping the war. I mean, it, I mean, how much of it is feeding the indus- the military industrial complex? Like, it, is that not like a like? Okay. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Katie? No, that that's a huge part of it. Right. It's so hard, though, because it almost seems like it's like it's you can't point your finger and say, look what they're doing. They're doing one thing. <laughs> it's another like nuanced problem where you're like, look at what they're doing. They're doing a whole bunch of bad things. And they're all sort of like hard to explain. And like, you know, yeah. and it's I like you don't have a smoking uh, gun to say it's like the, it's just the military industrial complex. Because like we all want to just dumb it down to one simple thing. Right. And like. It's so easy to like communicate that and get it across, and it's useful and helpful when you can. And yeah. like, yeah, I I think you are making ex like I think it's such an important point what you made, Katie, about like how to simplify like what we're trying to communicate in a way that's easy for people to digest. Like that, it seems to me like one of the our biggest challenges and like what like I'm really interested in because you know my background and like. I don't know. It's it's really very cool. Thank you for that. The the additional question, military industrial complex. Oh, I think I forgot already. Do you have more comments, either of you? No, no. I guess I- but I did. I did put the Chomsky link in the in the chat for anyone who wants to see it. I recommend it. Yeah, but I no, I would just reiterate that I think it's important to try to fight on both fronts, so to speak. So both explain to people that we need more nuance to, to get into these things it's, and that, you know, slogans are easy. So that, that front, but also given that we do have to work with people's uh, limited attention spans, just once you make the point that like prior, that diplomacy and negotiation has not been the priority, I think it makes people start to question why we really are, the, what we're really doing. 
Yes. I, I, I've, the question came back or, or the comment that I was hoping would spur more comments. Like, so there's this whole discussion of like Azov and the Nazis in the Ukraine. Right. And like, you know, I assume that like not everyone in the Ukraine is a Nazi and that this is like, you know, first of all, like, I guess they're a very specific aspect of the military. It doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, more fascists that maybe are not as often not like openly Nazis, but have like leanings, much like there are here in this country, right? Um, I mean, we see some of the same symbology happening in both places. Uh, and so, you know, and then the thing that I haven't heard a lot about, uh, and I'm just curious if either of you know if things have changed or what happened, but like, it's a pretty big deal that like the Ukrainians just said, we are now going to like ban all socialist political parties. Like to me, yeah. the fact that like, that's not a, still a big deal, that that wasn't such a big deal when it happened. Like it terrifies me because the fact that like folks here are just so like, Oh, well, you know, you know, they have a, a war to fight. They have to like, you know, get like really serious and like, and da, 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 da. but I, I'm sitting here going like, okay, so what's going to like, if anything happened here and like suddenly it was like, Oh, it's an emergency. It's like ban the Katie Halper show and, and right. ban Aaron Mate and Baron Alex Clifton. <laughs> like that's me um, for uh, like, you know, for talking about these things and like for having these opinions and for like being part of the democratic socialists of America and all these kind of things. I go like, I don't see like how it, it, people would just roll on that too and just be like, well, it was necessary. You know, like, isn't that a big deal that they freaking banned all socialist political parties over there? Yeah, like it, 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 it freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. And if Putin did that, like they would, people would, you know, when Putin does things like that, people are up in arms. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a total standard. It's like, which team are you on? Okay, if you're on this team, then you just root for the team. You can't criticize the team. Like, right. and then ultimately, what are we really fighting over? It's just like what team you're on, not like actually what you're fighting for. Right. Oh, all right. Well, thank you so much. All y'all rock. Thank you. Thanks, Ox. Thanks, Ox. All right. And, and this is perfect timing. We can wrap. We took all of our callers. We want to thank everyone for coming by. Make sure you subscribe to Useful. It's, uh, it's a podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash useful idiots and Substack at, at useful idiots.substack.com. And we will see you uh, next week. Uh, we'll see you at 10 a.m. on YouTube for Monday morning. That's spelled M O U R N I N G. When we go over the Sunday morning news that we watch so you don't have to, 11 a.m. on Colin. Have a great week.